Hey guys, welcome to Home Church Scotland. I'm Pastor Dave and welcome to our weekly podcast. Guys, if you're encouraged by what you hear today, why not check out our social medias? Just search for Home Church Scotland. Or why not subscribe to our YouTube channel where all of our services are live and in full for you to enjoy at your listening pleasure. Morning Church, how are you all doing this morning? Isn't it amazing that we actually serve and love a God who's a God of miracles? Amen. You know, the greatest miracle, of course, is the miracle of salvation. And uh, many of you, perhaps most of you, perhaps all of you, I don't know, here this morning might already be following Jesus. I hope that you are. And if you're not, if it's your first time here today, perhaps, or if you're watching online for the first time, you haven't yet said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, then I'm praying that that miracle of salvation will happen before we finish this morning. Amen? You know, as a, a minister, as a preacher, uh, when you're asked to preach, sometimes it's a bit of a, a, a sort of a, you know, thinking through process, praying through process, because we're not always quite sure what God wants to say for the church today. I mean, the Bible's a big book, you know, and uh, 66 books, if you want to be factually correct. And it's, it's packed full of great teaching, which can help us all uh, live the Christian life and how it reveals God to us in his incredible love. So I was praying and I was supposed to be speaking next week, but because of Pastor Dave not being well, it sort of came a week early, but being the person that I am, I'd already prepped. <laughs> Retired people have a bit more time, perhaps, I don't know. Um, and I felt God was saying to me, you know what you need to preach this morning? I said, Lord, I'll preach whatever you want me to preach. Sometimes dangerous to say that actually. And he said, preach the gospel. And I thought, that's interesting, because I know so many people here this morning are already following Jesus, and it's amazing. And we're going to see some more baptisms at the end of the month, and you know, people are making commitments to follow Jesus almost every week or every other week, which is great, isn't it? Um, but then I thought, you know, it's twofold why I'm going to preach the gospel this morning. One is because maybe there's someone here who hasn't heard the gospel, or maybe they haven't yet responded to it or even understood it. Um, but also, second reason, as followers of Jesus, guess what Jesus asked us to do? Share the gospel. And so maybe you're not quite sure how to share it. So it's got a twofold kind of uh, edge to it this morning as I share the gospel. Maybe you want to take some notes uh, so that you can simply explain who Jesus is why he came and why he died on the cross and why it's important to know this. Because gospel means good news. We don't get a lot of that these days, do we? Not a lot of good news out there. So we're going to share the good news of the gospel this morning. And I want to put the heading here. Choices and consequences. Choices and consequences. Because every day we make choices. I read once how many it was. It was ridiculous. It was like 10,000 choices a day the average person makes, something like that. But I mean, you made a choice this morning, didn't you? To get out of bed. That was a good start. I took a while to get out of bed this morning, I must admit. Uh, but then we did have our grandson uh, next door. So he was awake quite early. Uh, the second choice maybe was to what you're going to eat for breakfast and then what you're going to wear for church. I couldn't find my ripped jeans. So I thought, what am I going to do? Anyhow, we make choices every day. And some choices are 
perhaps inconsequential. You know, there's not actually much that's going to... What you wear is going to make you feel good or bad about yourself. Maybe people might compliment you, that kind of thing. But it's inconsequential. But there are also other choices which I would call them life and death choices. Life and death choices. And I think all of us perhaps have come across those serious situations where we've had to make a very serious choice. And the outcome has been uh, quite serious too. And I remember back in 1975, it just shows how old I am. Come on, if you're brave enough, who was around in 1975? Okay, it's at least a dozen of us, I think. Okay. So 1975, on the 12th of September, I was 14 years old. You can now work out how old I am. And I went to the youth club on a Friday night. And our youth club used to be great. I know it's great here. And we used to do all sorts of uh, crazy things. And one of the things that we did was car treasure hunts. Have any of you been on one of those? Yep. Did you win? No. Okay. So we were going on a car treasure hunt and I went there, I was only 14, I didn't have a car yet. Although you can actually ride an under 100cc motorcycle at the age of 14 in Guernsey. I know, uh, but you still have to be 17 to, ride, to drive a car. So I turned up and uh, of course I was looking around thinking, well, who am I going to go with tonight? Who's most likely to win? You know, because I'm a bit competitive. Uh, and there wasn't any spaces in any cars. So what I did was I was looking around the car park and just looking for people and thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to get stuck here? And then suddenly the youth leader said, look, there's a, a car over here with a, with a seat spare. Uh, I didn't know the people. It was a couple of boys and a girl, only young, 17, 18-year-olds. And uh, so he said, you can go with them. So I thought, oh, that's good. So I started to walk towards their car, and just as I was about to get in the car, I heard a voice shouting from across the car park, Mike, we've got a spare seat if you want to come with us. Now, I knew them. I didn't know these people. I thought, well, I can't offend these people. I, I ought to get into the car. But then I thought, but then I'd like to go with those people I know. So I made the decision, as I'm thanks for the offer. Really sorry, but I'm going to go with these people and I got in the car we had a great treasure hunt I don't think we won we got back to the church a little bit later on and everybody was chatting and doing all this sort of thing and milling around there's a lot of people there probably a hundred people there and somebody said I saw the police along the the coast road uh, some flashing blue lights oh we didn't go that way we didn't see didn't see I didn't think anything more about it the next morning I got up, I read the local newspaper, saw it on the front, uh, right on the front page, the headlines were, car crash on the coast road, one killed, one seriously injured in you know, intensive care, and the other one badly bruised with some broken bones. And they were on a car treasure hunt. And I realized that was the car that I would have been in. That choice I made to go back was a life or death decision. Because if I had gone with this, these people, and my heart still swells you know, with sadness when I think about it, if I'd gone with them, I might not be here today, or I might be in a wheelchair. It was a life or death choice with life or death consequences. And most of the decisions that we make in life don't have those consequences. 
But there is one decision that does, and that's are you going to follow Jesus or are you not? Because that's the most important and vital decision that you could ever make in your life. Do you receive Jesus Christ as your Saviour and your Lord? And I'm going to explain what that means in a moment. Or do you reject him and there are consequences, life and death consequences? Now, it's not all, I don't want to just be, you know, sort of a bit morbid and a little bit down this morning. I want to actually tell you this good news because in actual fact, if everybody makes the right decision, guess what? We're all going to be fine. We're all going to spend eternity with Jesus. And I want to tell you how that can happen because it's so important to understand. But before I get into that, let me just tell you, you may have come here this morning, you might think that you're just an accident. You might just think that perhaps part of evolution and all the rest of it and the Big Bang and everything else that went on, that you just happen to be the person you are in the body that you have and that you have limited years, you're going to enjoy them as much as you can, but there's nothing else out there and nobody really cares. I'm going to tell you the Bible tells you something very different. The Bible tells us in Psalm 139, listen to this, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I'm going to tell you this morning that God didn't just make you. He loves you. He cares for you. He has a plan for you. And you need to know that this morning. Because someone once said that we were made by God and for God. And until we understand that, life will never make sense. And that's the truth. Psalm 139 goes on. Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it already. God created you. God knows you more than anyone, even your closest friend or spouse will know you. God knows your thoughts, your heart, your intentions, the words that you're going to speak. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And that's part of the good news because God wants you to spend heaven with him. But we have a problem and that problem is sin. Sin separates us from a holy God. So let's look at these three very simple points this morning and just go over them together. Firstly, I want to tell you why the decision to follow Jesus today is the most important decision you'll make. And the first point is this, Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Now in this politically correct age where we mustn't defend anyone, I can imagine a statement like that could appear to be offensive, uh, but I'm not going to apologise for it because Jesus himself said it. And what he says is this in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father 
except through me. Now, it doesn't matter how you translate that, how you interpret that, there is no room for gray areas. It's black and it's white. It means that Jesus is the only way to God the Father. There is no other way or process or journey or, or things that you need to do in order to, to reach God, to be accepted by God, to spend eternity with God. Other scriptures re-emphasize this, uh, referring to Jesus, the apostle Peter, he writes in, uh, or he says in Acts 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven that has been given to man by which we must be saved. Again, there is no gray area. We're saying that Jesus is the only way. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 and 6, Paul writes, For there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And then the Apostle John, he says the same thing in 1 John 5, verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He does not have the Son, does not have life. You can interpret it any way you like, but the truth is the truth. And that's what we see in the Scripture. Now, I sometimes mention Greek because obviously the New Testament was written in Greek and then translated into all the other languages. But I only really mention this if it's important. And it is important in this verse because when you look at the original Greek, what we read and the scholars have told me, this is not something that I've worked out, the scholars said that the definite article is in front of each of these statements. So the verse could actually read this. I am the way that is the only way. I am the truth that is the only truth. I am the life that is the only life. That's how it's written in the original language. So again, there is no margin for misinterpretation. In John chapter 8, verse 31, we read this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, truly, truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And that includes daughters. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's the good news, because we are slaves to sin. Everyone has sinned. You may think, well, I haven't sinned. Well, I'm afraid that every wrong thing, wrong thought that you've had, and you're bound to have at least one, is a sin, and that sin separates you from a holy God. But Jesus came to do something about that. And Jesus said, I am the truth. So you need to believe me. You need to understand what I'm saying to you. Now, I, I've heard people say to me, in fact, when I was studying 
philosophy of religion. Sounds good, doesn't it? At school, um, I was reading Friedrich Nietzsche. Now, he was a great German philosopher. And he said once these words. He said, tell me your truth and then I'll tell you mine. Have you heard that phrase before? As if a truth can be true for you but not true for someone else. That's contradictory in my understanding of truth. There can only be one truth. I mean, the fact of the matter is, for many years, people thought the earth was flat. And that wasn't that long ago. When sailors were sailing across trying to find new worlds, they said, we don't want to sail too close to the edge or else we're going to fall off. So it's only in recent years, in a couple of centuries, that we've actually realised that the earth is round. It's spherical. We've seen that from space. And, and we know that's a fact, but there's still a flat earth society. And they still believe it's flat. Is their truth correct? No, because scientifically it's been proven that it isn't. In fact, if anyone wants to pick me up on this, I'm just going to say that earth is an ellipsoid. It's a bit more egg-shaped than absolutely ball-shaped. Okay, just more of a rugby ball than a football. So that's just the science of it. But Jesus is either the only truth, the empirical truth, or he's not. It doesn't matter what mindset you've got. It doesn't matter what worldview you've got. He's either the truth or he isn't. And in fact, many people have said, you know, um, you remember that phrase, and they don't know it's from the Bible, say, you know, you'll know the truth and it'll set you free. It hasn't set me free much. But it's not knowing the truth about a situation. It's knowing a person. Because Jesus said, I am the truth. It's knowing the truth. It's knowing Christ that sets you free. He is the only one who can do that this morning. The second reason to choose Jesus is this. He's the only way to abundant life, life to the full. Jesus said in John 19, 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me shall be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. That's a reference to Satan. I have come, said Jesus, that they might have life and to the full. Some of your versions of your Bible say abundant life. Life to the full. So following Jesus means you don't need all the stuff that people spend all their lives looking for, the materialistic things, the new houses and the cars and the holidays and all these things. Actually, abundant life is found in and through Christ. Following Jesus gives you abundant life. I've, um, well, Bev and I both worked in banking before we took on a church. And I had the privilege, I suppose, of traveling around the world and meeting some of the richest people in the world uh, who happened to be my clients. And uh, I can tell you, honestly, they're the most miserable people you'll ever come across. They have so much stress and anxiety and so many problems. And you know, I went to Malawi in 2005 and I met the poorest people on the earth. At that moment in time, they were the poorest people on the earth and they were the happiest. They just were happy, smiling, enjoying the fact they were alive another day. And it's amazing to see how Wealth does not satisfy, doesn't give you abundant life. Only following Jesus can do that. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Being content. Why? Because we got Christ. You can take the world, but give me Jesus. That was a song from some time ago. And it's so true. That's all that we need. You know that, again, just a personal story. We were working in banking and finance, which meant at the time we were well paid. And we enjoyed our jobs-ish, I think. Um, you know, they were, it came with all its stresses as well. And then one day God told us quite clearly to give it all up. He told us to give up our good jobs, our potentially good pensions, to give up our car, to give up our, our home, and even leave some of our family behind and go and serve him in that strange foreign land called England. And we weren't there that long because it was just a stepping stone to come here. And uh, we've been here now, what, 12 years or something. It's just been great. But you know what? Giving all that up, when I look at the people that stayed and they carried on with their careers and I mean, they, some of them have messed up their lives, their relationships, they've got into debt, all of these things. We've got less finance, but it doesn't matter because we've got Jesus and he's given us a better life than we could ever imagine. And if you've read my story, you'll know some of those stories. It only happened because we took steps of faith in following Christ. So Jesus is the only way to a life that's fulfilled. And can I encourage you this morning, don't live your life selfishly. Live it for Jesus. He may not ask you to give everything up, but if you put him first, then it's so much better in the long run. And then the third point is this, Jesus is the only way to heaven. In John 5 verse 24, it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Amen. Have you believed in Jesus? Are you following him? You have eternal life. You don't have to earn it. It is yours because it is a gift from the Father because you've received the Son as your Saviour and your Lord. And it's an amazing thing because you know what? I don't know about you, but I find this world is a bit of a tricky place to live in. It's not exactly the happiest place. And we turn on our news and I say to Bev sometimes, why do we watch this stuff? It's so depressing. And, and it's because it's real, and it's because out there people are suffering. People are going through earthquakes and wars and all of these things. And you think by now we'd have learnt, you know, that war doesn't work. And yet still it happens in our world. And, and we look around and we think, well, as beautiful as this nation is of Scotland, you get up in the highlands and you're looking at the sea, you're looking, yeah, it's just gorgeous. But as beautiful as that is, it's still an earth that is marred by sin. And you know what? Heaven isn't. Heaven is a place that I'm looking forward to going to because that's where Jesus is. That's where the joy is. 
some of you probably know that <clears throat> I'm a bit of a rocker. <clears throat> so <clears throat> uh, I do like rock music. Um, and I was always kind of brought up, that was my favourite style of music, and it still is. Um, but only Christian rock music, of course. <laughs> and one of the singers that I just loved his voice was Ian Gillen. You're not going to know him because, you know, he's from one of those secular bands. And his voice was gravelly, it was gruff, it was amazing. He could, he could really rock the room. Uh, and I loved his music, but then he wrote a song called No Laughing in Heaven. And when he was in, being interviewed on the radio, he said, yeah, I might upset a few Jesus freaks. I thought, hey, I'm one of those. And what he's saying in his lyrics is that he was a good boy, he, he did good things, and then when he came to the gates of heaven, St. Peter let him in because he'd been good and he'd reformed. But when he got in, he'd regretted it because everybody was all miserable and depressed and, uh, you know, and, and it was horrible. And he thought, I wish I'd gone to hell because that's where the party is. I want to tell you, that's the biggest lie you'll ever hear because heaven is where the party is. In fact, it says when one person decides to follow Jesus, the angels are having a party. Amen. Amen. That's where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Because Jesus in his ministry and in his teaching, if you read the New Testament, you see how many times he refers to heaven and how many times he refers to hell. And he refers to hell more than he does heaven. And why does he do that? Because he doesn't want anyone to go there. We're told in Scripture that hell has been prepared for the devil and his angels or his demons and it was never God's intention for us ever to go to that place. But if we are unredeemed, if our sin hasn't been forgiven, how can a sinner spend an eternity with a holy God? Sin, holiness do not mix. It's impossible. That's why he sent Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, he died for us. He took the punishment for our sin so that we could be forgiven. Some people have got this false idea that, you know what, it doesn't matter what religion or what faith you have, we're all gonna go to heaven anyway. Or it doesn't matter if you sin or not, or what, what you do in your life, God's a God of love, so he's gonna let you into heaven. That's not true. And if it was true, then Jesus dying on the cross would have been pointless. Why would Jesus come to earth, leave heaven's glory, be born as a human, fully human, fully God? And why would he go through all of the ridicule and the spitting and the whipping and the punishment and having a crown of thorns placed in his head and then having nails through his hands and his feet and die in agony on a cross if it wasn't to get you the opportunity to avoid going to hell? He wouldn't have done it. It would have been pointless. But it has a point because Jesus has died and he has risen again. And that 
proves that we can have through Him a relationship with the living God who will give us abundant life, who will give us eternal life, who will give us that opportunity to be reconciled to the God who made you, who formed you in your mother's womb, who has a plan and a purpose for you. And He wants to be reconciled to you because He loves you. That's the, the point of the Gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so that's the good news this morning. And that's the the whole three points of the Gospel message. We have to understand that that decision that we make is the most important decision will ever have to make. It's not so much life or death decision, like I made, I guess, in that September evening back in 1975, but this is an eternal life or an eternal separation from God decision. And there is no need for anyone not to enter heaven. I don't know about you, but I want to go there. It's a place of peace, it says in the Word of God. It says there's no more tears there. There's no more pain there. There is constant party, rejoicing there. I want to be there. I know my parents are there. I know my aunties and my uncles are there. I know three close friends of mine who who died and went to heaven far too early, you know, when they're only young. They're all there. I want to be there. Do you want to be there? So if we want to be there, we have to make the right decision. Choose today what's going to happen in 2 Corinthians 6 point, uh, 6 point, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. It says this, Behold, now is the favourable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Because we don't know if we've got a tomorrow. We don't know. I thought I had a tomorrow back in 1975. I had never even contemplated the fact that a car might crash and that I might be in it. And I know the three dear teenagers that were in that car, they didn't know either. We don't know how much time we've got. So can I just say to you today, if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Saviour and your Lord, if you haven't got it right with God, being reconciled to the God who loves you. Do it today. Don't put it off to tomorrow. Don't put it off for another year. Don't put it off till, oh, well, at the end of my life, on my deathbed, I'm going to say sorry to God. You don't know when that's going to happen. It's the biggest risk you'll ever take. God in his love has provided a way of salvation for all who will call on his name. Make the choice today. Not tomorrow, today. I want to finish. One of my favorite Bible characters was a guy called Joshua. Now, Joshua was the head of the armies. When the children of Israel had left Egypt, they were going through the wilderness, and Moses was leading them. Well, Joshua was the head of the army. And he was faithful, and he won lots of battles, and all the rest of it. And then Moses died. And Moses appointed him before he died as his successor. 
So Joshua had to then go into the promised land, Canaan, and he had to take the land and he had to make sure everybody, all the tribes had their own allocated land and they're all safe and all secure. And all that happened. And then we read this in Joshua. He says, he's actually gathered all the people together in Joshua 24. And he says to them, now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the river Euphrates and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But, and this is where the choice came for the people. If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And that's a decision he made. That's the decision you need to make today. And let me tell you, it impacted his family and the generations to come. I know all our family have free will, can make their decisions, but you have to make the positive decision first to impact your family. There was a guy called, I said I was going to finish, you've got one more thing. There's a guy called Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a preacher in America and through his preaching, he brought about what's in church history known as the Great Awakening. Many hundreds of thousands of people came to follow Jesus through his preaching. And somebody did a family ancestry. You know, he didn't have the internet. He couldn't go on ancestry.com or whatever you've got now, or heritage. But he went through all the records and he did the, the records of this family, which stemmed from Jonathan Edwards and his wife and his 11 children all the way down through the centuries, 150 years they managed to track and they found Jonathan Edwards who'd made that decision to follow Jesus. Listen to this. He said he found that his, his um, children, his children's children, such like, that there were one US vice president, three US senators, three governors, three mayors, 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, and over 100 missionaries of the gospel. All came through that one family line because Jonathan Edwards said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There was another guy called Max Jukes. They traced his descendants for 150 years. Now he was in prison for murder, and they found out that amongst his relatives, all his ancestors, he had seven murderers, 60 thieves, 50 women of debauchery. I think we know what those are. 130 convicts, 310 paupers, 400 who were physically wrecked by indulgent living. You know what that is as well, don't you? So the choice we make is what I'm saying. Not only impacts you, it could impact others. You following Jesus today could change the lives of everyone in your family, in your office, in your school, in your social circle, because having that light in the darkness can light up other people's lives with the gospel, which is the good news that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Will you just pray with me for a moment? So maybe everyone here is already following Jesus. Maybe everyone watching online is following Jesus. But maybe you're not. Maybe it would be remiss of me right now to 
actually just leave it there because there's a challenge. And just as Joshua said, choose you this day, I want to ask you the same or put the same challenge. Choose you this day. Are you going to choose Christ? Or are you not going to choose Christ? Are you going to reject Christ? And you know the consequences of that. So just as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to say a prayer. And if you today are watching online or in the room, you want to actually make that choice for Jesus, would you just say this prayer after me? You can say it quietly in your heart. You don't have to say it aloud. God will hear. But if you want to do that and make that choice today, this is the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for my sin. I ask you today to forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus for the rest of my days. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Home Church Scotland podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, feel free to get in touch with me. My email is dave at homechurch.scot.com.